Hello, welcome back to Time in the Studio, a podcast highlighting creatives and plant people. And I'm your host, Sarah Marie Miller. It's been quite a while, and I just realized I should do this again. I have time. I lost all my jobs. So I was like, well, might as well do the podcast, call some friends, and give a shout out. So my heart goes out to anyone suffering from this pandemic in emotional or financial, spiritual or physical uh, ways. I, I, I talk about it in this podcast interview and I discuss it as being a dark time, but I think it's also quite a light time and is allowing so much time for reflection and creativity and I'm seeing all these amazing things people are doing via Instagram and Facebook and whatnot. And so, you know, that's such a duality. It's not light or dark. It's just, it is. And it's bringing about change and it's a big change for everyone. Uh, So yeah, my heart goes out to you if you're suffering, but I think there's also really amazing things that this is bringing about. Uh, And that brings me to something I've decided to do. I want to start highlighting one listener every episode. So if you would like to be featured on the next episode of Time in the Studio, you can connect with me on Instagram. That's at Time in the Studio podcast. And that's just spelled like the herb, Time in the Studio. And there's no... Uh, grammar or underscores or anything. It's just time in the studio podcast. And you can feel free to ask any questions if you want any questions answered, or you can uh, message me if you want to be featured. And the way I'm thinking of doing that is just a little quick blurb and then send reposting three of your photos from Instagram. So it could be, you know, something about your garden, if you're starting a garden this year, or plants, or a creative project that you're doing with kids at home. I know suddenly millions of people are homeschooling their kids suddenly. And so I think if you are finding creative ways to deal with this time, let's highlight that, you know? Uh, I also want to talk a little bit about so in this interview it's with my friend Stacy Ramsauer she is a phenomenal human and we have opinions and some of them may not be appropriate for you and some of them may so I just want to encourage you to do your own research follow your own intuition and also perhaps advice of a doctor or medical professional so you know, don't listen to us necessarily, just do what's right for you. Uh, I also want to just give a shout out to all the beautiful pregnant goddesses out there who are giving babies at this time. I just heard that they are now not allowing any doulas into hospital rooms, and they're also, in many cases, not allowing the partner. And so, Women are having to give birth with just doctors and nurses present in the room. And that just seems, I've never had a kid, but that just seems really tough and really heartbreaking. So my heart goes out to anybody who has to do that right now. 
Ah, uh, let's see what else. Yeah, so about Stacy, she is an amazing sex educator, yogi, and creative human. She has a beautiful YouTube channel, a podcast called Sacred Body, and you connect you can connect with her on Instagram at sacredbody underscore Stacy Ramsauer. Couple things we talk about in this interview that I really enjoyed. We, she talks about the idea of resourcing. Look around your space and consider what brings you joy, what allows you to feel trust in the universe. And I think this is such a time of resourcefulness. And she also talks about how to live in a way that feels medicinal to you. She also talks about how to make everything foreplay with a partner. It's pretty exciting. And she shares her birth story, which is such an honor to hear and the pulsatory nature of connecting with other people and how to digest our experiences and stop feeling fear of our own bodies. Fear is pretty happening right now, so it's it's definitely something on the surface of this whole pandemic. And I don't think our bodies are something to be feared. And yeah, I just wanna encourage you all Wash your hands, drink some hot tea. They say every 20 minutes, if you can drink a liquid, it can help to uh, wash any bacteria that may be in your mouth and just get it into your digestive system, which is more powerful and can eat up all those viruses. And last but not least, if you would like to work with me, I would be honored to do that. So I have pottery available on Etsy. You can also, I'm doing distance flower essence sessions with people. So if you want to connect via Zoom or we could do a phone call if you prefer and I can mail you flower essence based on our consultation. So I'm doing a sliding scale with that right now. You can check out my website at adazia.com, A-I-D-A-Z-E-A.com. Okay, without further ado, here we go. Cha-cha-cha. Great. Okay. Okay. <laughs> oh my gosh, I am so thrilled and delighted to have on the show today Stacey Ramsauer, an amazing, phenomenal human. Um, she does a lot of different work, uh, some Ayurvedic food, sex, and womb support. Uh, she's also a somatic sex educator and works as an innate postpartum care and full-spectrum doula. She's a mama and a mentor, a creative heart, and an amazing writer, speaker, yogi, and just goddess of all the realms. So thank you so much for being here today, Stacey. Oh, I'm, it's my <laughs> pleasure. When I was able to hear your laugh, oh. I immediately <laughs> dropped into the wonderful five days we spent seated next to each other and the innate postpartum training. Um, yes. Yeah, really special. How cool to have such a deep connection over a relatively short period of time. And yes. quite a bit of time has passed since we were there together. Um, but I'm thrilled to be here. Um, it's been a dream. I, I'm being a little silly, but I totally mean it. It's been a dream of mine to be on your podcast. Oh, that's so sweet. And I love your podcast, by the way. I forgot to even mention you have um, the most phenomenal podcast, Sacred Body 
podcast with Stacey Ransauer. And it is every episode is just so juicy and good and full of rich knowledge and information. And I just, I loved sitting with you. So we were in, to give a little of that backstory, uh, we were in a training with Rochelle Saliga Garcia in New Mexico. When was that? A year and a half ago, two years Mm -hmm. ago? I don't know. Time goes too fast, but um, yeah, I just, anytime you sat near me, I was like, Oh yeah, Stacy's sitting near me. And like, you would just talk about these amazing books and authors and you just have such an amazing uh, way of processing the world and thinking and dialoguing. So yeah, I'm just so thrilled to be able to connect with you today in these very bizarre circumstances of mm-hmm. our present time. Yes. Indeed. Yeah. I mean, it's been kind of funny to, um, have this quarantine imposition right at, I mean, not the tail end of my, my postpartum time, postpartum time is forever, but I sort of mm. been in six months since I had my son and Congratulations. like peek out into the world and reach out and maybe open up some sessions. And I was going to go to Oregon to study with Tammy Kent and then oh, cool. everything shut down and so it's actually not very strange for me because my life has been like quarantine for the last six months. Yeah. And of course, actually to, to be aware of the world at large, it is a strange time, but I do feel, I mean, the, the profound level of my privilege in this time is just so kind of overwhelming Um, and I do feel like it's a profound learning opportunity. There are some things that are just kind of impossible to ignore as far as our human impact on the environment, Yeah, the depth of our interconnectedness as human beings, and also an opportunity to deal with fear. Wow. Yeah. I, I love that you're seeing all those messages in this kind of strange dark time. Cause I feel like there are things so there's so much to be learned from this experience. And I love that you're being able to pull that out a little bit. Well, I attribute it to not watching or listening to the news. Yeah. <laughs> not, like I'm not always proud of that fact. I do feel right. a little bit sheltered, but I, I have, um, a husband who is like an amazing filter. He's able Mm -hmm. to just like filter all of this information. And I really trust what he gleans. Mm -hmm. Um, And he's able to not engage emotionally. And I have a very difficult time. Um, I get like, I kind of spin out when I take in too much. I am the same way, actually. Like after Trump was elected, actually, I had to stop watching the news for years. Totally. And I just started watching a little bit and I'm like stepping back again because I'm like, oh, I'm getting, it affects me too much. I'm too sensitive as well. So I can relate to that. (laughs) I think it's it's a healthy, um, you know, to, to refer to something that not everybody has um, context for, but um, I taught a class on intimacy and staying connected in these, in these overwhelming times. Mm. And the human organism is an organism of pulsation. 
physically, emotionally, spiritually, we are meant to move toward and pull away and expand and contract and open and close and yes and no, Mm -hmm. (laughs) darkness and light. And for information in particular, I think it's really crucial. You know, it's a digestive process. It's crucial Mm -hmm. to have that rest time to allow things to assimilate, percolate and really be conscious of what you're releasing almost like you know in Ayurveda in particular you're you're meant to look at your poo like check it out and see what's coming out and is it okay I don't think we have a good practice just you know maybe as Americans or maybe that's too um (laughs) too judgmental I don't know but we don't have a great habit of being really self-aware and actually looking at what our behavior is creating. Right. We don't want to look at our shit, literally. Literally. Thank you. How did I miss that? Good. I'm glad you're here. Um, Yeah. And so it's the same thing with like the information that we're taking in and the effect of being on social media. And I just don't think many of us, give ourselves adequate time to like really rest and digest mm-hmm. and assess the impact of all yeah. the in on any given day. Agreed. Yeah. It's really, I don't know that we can know our impact. I think we can get a glimpse into it and try to understand it, but there's always unseen things that we can't even comprehend you know it's kind of like when I was reading about the coronavirus in China like I was like well that's not going to affect us that's in China and then a you know it's like a butterfly flaps its wings in one place and it creates a tsunami in another place and so it's like everything has an effect and it expands everywhere and so yeah, we can never know the full extent of what we're doing, but to try to grasp it and try to understand a little bit, I think is, it's a good attempt anyway. For sure. <laughs> um, so I meant to have you give us a little more of a glimpse into who you are. So I gave just a teeny taste of that, but maybe you could talk about a little bit about your journey and where you're at now, what you're experiencing, what you're doing, what you're going through. I have been um, a yoga teacher for 15 years. Wow. Um, That's awesome. Sort of in and out of full time, uh, making my living in sort of a patchwork way, doing lots of different things. Um, in my 20s, that was really cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then it felt less and less cool. Um, I had the opportunity to live in New York for a couple of years and teach uh, and manage one of my favorite studios in all the land called Cooley Yoga Project. Oh, that is an amazing studio. I lived, I don't know if we talked about New York at all, but I lived there for a couple of years as well. And that was one of my favorite studios is wonderful. Yeah. Um, it was, 
definitely a peak moment in my life. Just feeling of, I was really honored to be a part of that family for a while. And I, I've moved a lot. I mean, that has been part of a, a huge part of my journey, picking up things from different teachers and uh, in that shift of environment, different aspects of my self, having the opportunity to express and then figuring out kind of uh, what I really need to express in order to feel at home in this mm. life this world um so a lot of moving around I've studied yoga and Ayurveda pretty much simultaneously but delved much deeper into the yoga part of it because I was actively teaching that Mm -hmm. so the depth of study into Ayurveda started maybe five or six years ago alongside uh diving into Vedic astrology which but my friend and teacher, an amazing astrology teacher, Dharma coach, her name is Sarah Marie Miller. Oh, <laughs> that's right. You tell me that. That's so And funny. she lives in Colorado. <laughs> and it's so strange, but wonderful. Um, so in I bring that up because studying Ayurveda and Vedic astrology, there's a very... For me, it was a profound teaching about our origins, the reason why we incarnate, why our soul chooses uh, a body. And this teaching really activated curiosity in me about my biological parents. I was adopted at birth Mm -hmm. and had known this, you know, as much as like a really small child can know it, but my my parents always communicated that fact to me and were like very present for me figuring out what that means and do I want to know about it and do I want to look into my biological parents? And I really didn't. I think I, on some level, I had a sense of the emotional impact that it would have. Mm. Um, And so I never pursued any of it until my early 30s oh wow that's wonderful that they were supportive though at least very 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 um and continue to be as I've you know things are shifting so I I did make contact with my birth mother but so that was sort of um sparked by my study of Vedic astrology and Ayurveda and this teaching that we are a you know and this is not unique to these traditions, but we are a composite of the lineages that made us, Mm -hmm. mother and our father. But this unique way of framing it, our work in this lifetime, what we are going to have to work against within ourselves and the material that we have to work with, 25% of that belongs to us as individuals. Mm -hmm. 25% of that is the mother 25% of that is the father. And I sort of conceive of it as like their undigested shit. Yeah. Whoa. And then 25% of the karma that we carry in this lifetime comes from gestation, our time in the womb. And that just, I mean, every time I think of it, when I speak it out loud, my guts just tumble over themselves. Yeah. Uh, I had always had a fascination with birth, but obviously that sparked it. And then it, it just got me thinking, 
about the things that I did know about my birth mother. I'm like, what is it to gestate in a body that knows it's not going to keep you or hold you? My tendency to move a lot, change jobs a lot, had a very disordered relationship to consistency and food and self-care and my body. Um, And so these pieces of my work came together through my own experience and intuition about how this all works. And I, I just had to do a doula training. (laughs) Like I just, I just had to do an Ayurvedic sale training. I had to go deeper into sexuality and somatics and it has come together, I think in a fairly straightforward way, but it has certainly not, it's been like jumping from one lily pad to another. Yeah. Doing a lot of deep, healing work myself in the process, right? Like I've done the trainings, you know, including the innate postpartum care training as a a way to offer something in the world, but really I did them for myself. I, I studied birth and how to be a doula and went to births as a doula some part of it was for myself, like to repair something and to hold space for women and families. Um, You know, there's, there's so much that depends on the mystery. Hmm. Controllables. Yeah. And there is also a level of um, just awareness that we can bring to these magnificent rites of passage. And I do think that um, what I'm what I'm doing in the world now, which really centers on sexual and reproductive health and women's emotional health, so that includes relationship, right? Being in the world from our sexuality and our embodiment in a way that is medicinal for us. And again, Ooh, I love that of Ayurveda and Vedic astrology, when we are living in a way that is medicinal to us at the deepest level, Mm -hmm. it is medicinal for our ancestors. Mm, Yes. Deep, deep channels. Absolutely true. Wow. That is so beautiful. And I, it makes me, it pulls me back to this line that I saw on your website about why we're here on this planet. Mm. And if it's about healing and probably it is, I can't remember the exact line, but I feel like we are on this planet to heal and to heal. When you talk about that, it's like, we're healing our parents stuff. We're healing our own stuff. We're healing our grandparents, you know, we're healing just generations and generations of unprocessed grief and our own great, you know, our own stuff that comes up as we're in the womb. Like that gives me chills too. Just thinking of like what our mothers experienced while they were in relationship with other people during their pregnancy, what they went through and how that, wow. Like that's 25% of what we're processing. That's it's insane, right? 
It makes a lot of sense. And it's, it makes a lot of sense. It just makes me want to like bow down at the feet of like every pregnant woman ever and just be like, I hope you're being adored because you should be. Well, yes, 100%. And I also find it, you know, there is the very real fact that so many of us women, you know, of a certain age who've grown up with a certain amount of freedom don't know how to receive that adoration, don't know Mm. how to sit down and let someone rub our feet, don't know how to say, you know, and, and we don't have to jump to it right now, but in, you know, my personal trajectory to becoming a mother, I knew that I had to set some real parameters and expectations very, very clearly, very, very early on. Let's go there. Um, I mean, I'm a pretty intense person, so (laughs) I love it. Yes. At like our third date, I think I told my now husband, like, I'm going to have a home birth. How do you feel about that? (laughs) Like I'm having my baby at home and that's that. So what do you need to know in order to get on board with this? And he and I, um, he and I went through a miscarriage together. Mm. And oh, I'm so sorry. That was obviously earth shattering. Um, that is actually what led me to study with Rochelle. So oh. in its way, a deep gift, because yes. I also am sure that the son that I hold in my arms today is the same baby. Yeah. Um, to go through that experience was really powerful, but it, it sort of kicked off this process for me um, of learning about how to channel my life force because I was so grief stricken and it was like months after hurricane Harvey hit Houston and I lost everything. Oh no. Oh my gosh. I knocked down again in a very, in like an even deeper way. Um, And, you know, thank God I had tools, but it was this opportunity like, okay, I don't have life force energy for this, this, and this that I'm quote unquote committed to. That has to go. What do I actually want to do? What do I want to be doing in the world? Mm. I my somatic sex educator training. I did a year-long Ayurveda training. I did postpartum care training. I did one birth. Wow. And um, when I found out I was pregnant the second time, we had already been talking about, you know, like we would like to move somewhere somewhere with more access to nature. Maybe we'll go to Colorado. (laughs) And then I found out I was pregnant and I was like, no, I have to go home. I have to go to Seattle. I never thought I'd move home ever in a million years. But I needed my family. That was a huge ask of my husband. Um, You know, move to the desert. He's from Mm -hmm. Pittsburgh. Oh, poor thing. (laughs) He's like, wait I was like, what are you talking about? There's trees everywhere. Look, there's like 12 trees over there. And they're like, you know, they're sticks. Palo Verde. Right. They're like yeah. really green sticks. Mm. <laughs> um, but we're but he's surviving. He's alive. Um, 
so all this to say, like, it's, um, I feel like, you know, I spent four years preparing for this time and it, the work of preparing to not only get pregnant and stay pregnant, but to move through my pregnancy with relative ease and find the right care providers for me, no matter what, Mm -hmm. and have a successful birth at home, which is, you know, my vision always really was built on several years of, you know, getting sober, learning how to communicate my needs, learning how to really take care of my physical health, Mm -hmm. um, setting really clear boundaries with my family, with my partner, verbalizing expectations, taking responsibility for my feelings. And like, Mm -hmm. that's not pretty work. No, that is tough. That's hard. Years of prep. And I do think that that was a huge I some part of me maybe knew like that's what I need to do if I'm going to become a parent. Mm, well, yeah. And it's not, you know, just collectively, like culturally, that's just not something that we're into. <laughs> right. Certainly not in the context of becoming a parent. Like you just become a parent. Yeah. Okay. You don't do like tons of deep work. No. <laughs> Certainly there's, you know, all these tropes in our, our culture of like, Oh, it's going to like, you get fat and it destroys your body and your husband is going to be this way or that way. And you're not going to sleep. And it's like all these things that are just thrown out there is like, this is just how it is. And you're going to pee your pants forever. And like fingers crossed that doesn't happen to you. None of that is accidental. And I'm not saying people do it on purpose. Mm-hmm. I am saying there are clear markers along mm-hmm. the way and afterwards that contribute to those, you know, supposed dysfunctions. Mm-hmm. They're rooted much deeper in our subtle anatomy than it's not just a physical thing. In other Ooh. Words. Yeah. I want to get into that a little. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, in the, in the structure of our, our female body, you know, it's different. Our genital anatomy is different. If you have internal genitals, that's a different way of experiencing touch, whether it's yourself or a partner, it's, you know, our medical care is different. Like Mm -hmm. there's, and there's so much secrecy and avoidance particularly around internal female genitalia. Yeah. With that sort of withdrawal or, you know, just just hearing the words like secrecy, shame, avoidance, it's like high and tight mm-hmm. energetically. And when it comes time to birth a child, that's exactly the opposite of yeah. what happen and if the high and tight experience of your own body particularly your genitals is chronic comes back to that pulsatory organism like that's how we are meant to be and if the tissue has not 
been practiced at being in a pulsatory state. You you must, as an organism, be able to expand and contract, be able to soften and engage. If you have no relationship to that within yourself and especially your pelvic tissue, mm. um, birth and postpartum will be that much harder. And right. so the root of our our life force energy in the sense that, you know, this is where we all came from. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's a very specific thing to gestate a child. And it's an extremely vulnerable thing. As powerful as it is, it is the most vulnerable thing you can do. And if there's not a team of support that encourage and praise you in Mm. your resting, in your healing, in your recovery, then it's going to show up in your tissue, in your physical body. Oh, wow. That is a big deal. It's a big deal. Yeah. Do you work with that with women a lot through your somatic um, sex counseling? Like how, how does that, how do you help people with that emotionally and energetically to shift the physical? Of course, you know, sort of. Depends on the person. I'm sure. It depends on the person, but also in like this, it sounds too simple to be true, but like you just have to, be aware that's what's going on. Like you kind of have to buy in that there's a relationship before between your beliefs and your reality. Yeah. The way you feel about yourself, the way you believe yourself to be in the world is going to have an impact on how you physically show up. And that's, Mm -hmm. you know, your capacity to build muscle, to metabolize food, to, um, experience pulsatory genital tissue and all the wonderful things that that is <laughs> able to release not so wonderful experiences right you know there has to be movement available and so if that just kind of if there's no um, intuitive connection to that then probably the work that I offer isn't going to work. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, there, it's it's a lot of you know self acknowledgement, and a key component of somatic experiencing, which is what somatic sex education is based on, or partly what it's based on, is this teaching of titration. Right, small bits at a time, you go toward that which may be stuck or frozen or tense or numb and just introduce the possibility of, you know, going back and forth because for so many of us, it's either all or nothing, right? Right. You can't go there. It's too much. Well, you don't have to go all the way there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, perhaps more importantly than the principle of titration is resourcing, like, what do you have in your immediate space, if not in your physical body, that 
imparts a sense of safety and trustworthiness and even joy mm. that you have something to go back to when you reach that point of like, okay, I'm, I've had enough. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's incredible. How did you find this work? How did you study and get into that? I feel like that's such deep and intense work that I don't know of anyone else who's doing that right now. Um, they're all in California or Canada. (laughs) (laughs) Basically, I learned, uh, years ago about a modality called sexological body work from a woman named Ellen Heath. And, um, I just thought that was like the coolest thing ever. I didn't know what it was. I was just like sexological body work. I want that. Yes. I yes, <laughs> And then it just sort of, you know, I, there was, I was living in Texas at the time. There was no one in Texas who practiced. Ellen was in LA. I had moved away from LA. I couldn't afford the training at that time in my life. So I just, you know, always remembered sexological body work. And then It was after I became a doula and the woman who was mentoring me shared a podcast with me and it was uh, the motherbirth.co podcast, which is lovely. And I just happened to see them post a brand new episode with Kimberly Johnson and she was talking about birth and sex. And I think there was something in the liner notes about like, we want to be sexual mothers. And I was like, who is this? Mm. I have to know everything. (laughs) Turns out Kimberly is a somatic experiencing practitioner, a rolfer, a sexological body worker. She lived in Brazil. I lived in Brazil. Oh, wow. Study with her. Mm-hmm. And it turns out her mentor is Ellen Heed. Oh, wow. So I did um, some bodywork training with the two of them. And then that just opened up my ears. You know, what are the other pathways that I can take? And I learned about somatic sex education, which is, um, I'm not. Oh, sorry. It cut out just a little bit. Something's wrong with the audio. I can't hear you. No. How about now? Oh, yeah, you're back. Okay. Sorry about that. Where did you, where did I cut out? Um, you were in, you were studying with both of them. Okay. So uh, I did part of Kimberly and Ellen's stream training and then learned about somatic sex education and it just felt like a really good fit for me. And I went to Canada, did online training. Um, I'm still in process. There's several like tiers of Mm -hmm. training, Um, but it just synthesized so many things for me and gave me vocabulary uh, as well as techniques to really get to the heart of what I I think had always intuitively uh, been working towards. You know, I, I was hired in Houston by a doula agency early on, and I was so certain that I was going to 
move beyond that to become a midwife. Ah, interesting. And then I started meeting with couples uh-huh. part of the interview process. And I, I went to my mentor and I was like, I have to be a sex therapist. Yeah. Like there is so much not being said. Mm. Like, oh, this is where I have to do my work. And then things yeah. snowballed pretty quickly from there. That's amazing that you could realize that strength about yourself that you could just like see the dynamic between people and help them to align with each other better well and it's not really I mean I would be lying let's be clear I would be lying if I said that there wasn't some amount of judgment in there but it it (laughs) is like I don't care what kind of sex people are having right care that there's like clarity and that we're on the same page and both people are getting their needs met yeah that's where I'm coming from Mm -hmm. and um you know as happens in any relationship that is long-term whether it's platonic or romantic there's just like certain things that we sort of armor ourselves against or get accustomed Mm -hmm. to or complacent about and I firmly believe that before you have a baby that's the time to like bring all the skeletons out of your closet and just like air it all out yeah. because it can radically transform this unbelievable process of partnership and vulnerability. And, you know, it's mutual vulnerability. It's super mm-hmm. vulnerable for partners. Um, but to, have a stronger and maybe even updated vocabulary with each other about your your pleasure. Like, actually, I like this better. Mm -hmm. Or actually, it makes me feel so, you know, like who, I don't know so many people or we don't typically associate the sex talk as like, you know, what makes me feel really safe. Mm, Right. Right. Like it's, and we get sort of locked in these, um, rooms about like just the the explicit stuff mm-hmm. as opposed to the mundane which really supports but the mundane is so grounding it's like okay when you feel safe with someone that's when like things can really just mm-hmm. go off the rails in the best way ever. in the best way <laughs> interview between Dax Shepard and John Gottman. Oh, it's, it's wonderful. I appreciate that Dax kind of like, he's like two and a half hours. That's how long the podcast is. It's fascinating. Mm -hmm. Um, John Gottman is a really famous relationship therapist. And there was a moment they were talking about sex and what I appreciated being spoken was it's all foreplay, like oh. all day long, you're creating the space for intimacy and erotic sharing. I love um, that. It's in everything you do, it's in the way you touch your partner when they hand you your cup of coffee, it's in the way that you say thank you, it's in the way that you ask for things. You're constantly generating erotic energy, or you're not, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Like, yeah, you're actually shutting it down getting in your own way. Um, but I just feel like having access to ourselves, you know, as birthing bodies, having access to yourself, 
um, with like full access to your genitals, frankly, mm. is essential for birth. Yeah. Not just in a technical way, but like um, sense pleasure and yeah. full range of experience, knowing what your limits are and being able to say that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. And just being able to process it with another person and speak it out loud because there is there's just a power in being able to be clear about what you like and what you want and where you're at and being able to be heard and yeah be with another person who can voice where they're at too it's really hot (laughs) really hot with adoration and respect when you are you may be experiencing yourself as like completely out of control or untethered or messy or what, you know, whatever it is I've often seen. And this is, you know, I don't say this as a rule and um, just sharing an instinct about something in, in the births that I've supported. Mm-hmm. It was interesting to me how often like either an intervention was asked for or, maybe progress slowed down or even halted was often at the moment when like this really, you know, powerful, have it all together woman started like unraveling a little bit. Mm. When the mother asked for intervention or when other people, oh, okay. Interesting. And it's yeah. like, my, my doula, God bless her. I have three actually. Oh, awesome. Um, we can, we'll get Good to for that. you. Yes. Um, I remember her saying at one of our, our meetings before, you know, this was not during birth, but before. She's like, it is a complete shattering to give birth, to have a baby. Wow. And it's, for me, it was, you know, there was something frightening in that word, but also like my whole body understood it. Mm -hmm. That makes so much sense. Mm. Wow. And there's something funny, interesting, you know, funny, interesting Mm -hmm. about how, you know, the, really irrational fear that like is my pelvis going to break and like you know, crazy things do happen during birth but you know rarely is there like bone damage um but that maybe like an intuitive understanding that there is a shattering but like we can't conceive of the level at which that shattering will take place yeah is that what you experienced in your birth? Did you feel like fear that that is what was happening? Oh yeah. Um, I was never excited about being pregnant and I wasn't excited about being pregnant. (laughs) You were beautiful. I saw just a couple videos of you on YouTube, your yoga videos. Mm -hmm. You're pregnant. So beautiful. I was like, Oh my gosh, the goddess. Now I like, 
I don't kick myself because it wasn't like I didn't enjoy it at all. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there's a part of me that even six months out, I look back and I'm like, wow, you had nothing to complain about. But it was more <laughs> the sense of like, maybe um, that's the time that I processed a lot of the frustration mm. of like, I can't do this. I can't do that. Hopefully like ridding myself of some of my narcissism. Um, but to get to, I was always super excited about giving birth. Like I've always been super excited about giving birth. There was yeah. like, yeah, I want to yeah. do that. And then I went into labor. <laughs> and it was it was radical. It was like the most intense experience of my life by far. Wow. And I was completely overwhelmed. And I I don't I don't think that's a unique experience, but it was right. not what I expected the the level of intensity that you know I it just came right out of the gate first contraction started the whole like started active labor it was minutes and then it was every three minutes and then very where were you I was at home oh that's good at least um was your partner there he was I woke up at like five in the morning oh wow early morning was just like very very wide awake which was, you know, weird. It was like an alarm had gone off and I was just awake and had this like kind of funny feeling, but didn't think I was in labor. I wasn't cramping or anything. And then about an hour later, I was like, "Ah, I'm going to try to go back to sleep. And as soon as I put my head on the pillow again, it was like, no, you're not going to sleep. (laughs) And I went to the bathroom and it started this like, oh my God, I have to go to the bathroom so bad. And I came out of the bathroom and I, I woke up my husband and I was like, it's on. Oh, wow. I'm in labor. Yeah. And I had, it was sort of a saga of getting the right care provider. Mm-hmm. I hired, I hired a midwife at about 26 weeks. Mm-hmm. and fired her when I was 39 weeks pregnant. Ooh, why? Um, her sense of safety did not line up with mine. What I mm-hmm. needed from her, she was not prepared to give. And, mm-hmm. you know, for, for, I mean, Specifics are fine. I'm happy to share specifics. Um, There are lots of tests that are given as, you know, sort of given with this tone of that they're mandatory, but they're not. You know, you can refuse any tests, but there's a lot that there are a lot of tests Mm -hmm. given to pregnant women. And one of them is called GBS, which is group B strep. Mm-hmm. And it's a strain of bacteria that is transient in the human body. It's not in and of itself harmful. Um, it can be harmful to newborns if they're exposed to it in the birth canal for a long period of time. They can develop systemic infection or meningitis. Like it's, it can be pretty gnarly. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but it's also something that like most women have most of the time. Yeah. The mandate is groupie strep you treat with antibiotics. Of course, you can refuse anything as a right. person. So long story short, like quite a long saga story short, um, after I tested positive a second time, my midwife transferred my care to the hospital. Oh. And I went along with it. I, you know, it was for me in retrospect, um, I really looked to her as the authority in the situation. Like mm-hmm. some subconscious part of me was like my midwife, she's going to save me. She's going to be there. I'm safe. Mm-hmm. And sort of lost connection to my inner authority. And so it was like, we have to go to the hospital to get a consultation. You'll meet with um, my favorite nurse over there. We'll talk to an OB, you'll get registered. And I was just like, okay. Yeah. Meanwhile, like crying uncontrollably at home and with my partner. And I have done a lot of educating of my family about birth and sharing information. And they supported my wish to have a home birth. But then with the introduction of this perceived complication. Which is so common and not as big a deal as people make it out to be. It's long story short, I did this consult at the hospital I came home and had a total meltdown. I felt so angry. I was so anxious. I knew that I couldn't have my baby in the hospital. Yeah. One of my doulas, who is also my photographer, was like, do you want to have your baby at the hospital? And I said, no. And she said, you don't have to. You can have your baby at home. And I was like, what do you mean? (laughs) Like, bobbing. Yeah. Oh, I get it. We reached out. She lives in Phoenix. I'm in Tucson. They're about two hours away. She reached out to a midwife in Phoenix who called me that day. We had a wonderful conversation. She told me her thoughts, her approach, some of my options. She said she would come down to Tucson that weekend and meet with me if I wanted. And I hired her on the spot. Oh, wonderful. I I had a an intervention-free birth. That's amazing. For myself, you know, this. I firmly believe every woman knows how to give birth to her child. Mm -hmm. And there are, you know, things that have been studied are completely devoid of the mystery and soul level of birth, which is an essential part of it. I firmly believe there is a time and a place for each of the interventions that exist in the medical world, but they're, they're handed out based on a checklist of things that are most of the time arbitrary. That's Mm -hmm. what I believe. I felt the safest at home. I felt the safest without antibiotics. Yes. And my baby was born basically in his amniotic sac. Oh, cool. Which, you know, the risk primarily is exposure. Like your waters have been broken for 18 hours or something. Then there's Mm -hmm. a real risk. 
Um, and I know, you know, many people would have their own opinions about it, but this is my experience. It was incredible. He was totally healthy. And mm. the one odd thing about my birth, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it was nine hours, which is pretty fast for a first baby. Mm-hmm. Um, faster, of course, has occurred. My friend gave birth a couple months later. It was two hours. Oh my gosh. I think I was two hours or an hour. I was fast too. <laughs> but, fast little so baby. Goes, yeah. Um, I remember, I mean, it was, it was just the most empowering experience of my life. But I, it was like, you know, time warp. Yeah. Nine hours, like I didn't, I had no concept of time whatsoever. Mm-hmm. But then when uh, I was actually pushing my son out, you know, that didn't take very long, but it was like everything slowed down. Mm-hmm. And I, like, I will remember that for the rest wow. of Wow. And to get to be so present, like, Wow, it was amazing. And <laughs> it was so odd. Like mm-hmm. again, you can you can understand how birth works on an intellectual level and experiencing it is a whole other thing. Yeah. But it is 100% true. I mean, I was I struggled through my labor. I struggled. And then when it was time to push him out, I was like so clear and so present and so in my body. And then just like, as soon as I had my son in my arms, elated, totally calm, cool as a cucumber, like, <laughs> let me get up and make everybody food. Like I, I hadn't eaten anything and I was like, oh, well, but yeah. that was the feeling like, I got this. It's cool. <laughs> everybody can take a load off. And then my placenta wouldn't come out. My placenta really needed a lot of help. Um, Mm -hmm. I had help from my doula. Like, she's holding me Mm -hmm. in this squat position. I took a bunch of tincture. There was, you know, lots of heavy-duty massage going, talking to my placenta. And finally, finally, it released. But I felt... um, just kind of some some reflection afterwards with a friend like I wonder what that was about yeah there was so much intensity at the end of my pregnancy Mm. you know and I do think this contributes can be a contributor to stubborn babies and yeah you know all the things that would medically be termed problematic or failure you know they use that word which is absurd to me Oh, um, that is a horrible, some part of my body was really stuck in that position of like resistance. Yeah. Well, um, and maybe not wanting to let go of the experience of mm, pregnancy or I don't know. I mean, yeah, there's there, this is the mystery, right? Yeah. Beauty of it um and again it can be tricky there there's so much there's plenty of you know just straight up biological physiological fact Mm -hmm. (laughs) to share about why it's essential that women rest and get 
nourished and receive and take it easy um, to substantiate, you know, or to like why that's important for a smooth labor and delivery and recovery. But this other layer of it, you know, the undeniable spiritual aspect of it, I just, I take such comfort in. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. It sounds like just the most phenomenal experience. What was it like with your partner? Was he with you and having three doulas too? Was it nice having people in the room? Did you yeah, like beckon people out? Or? Like up until week 37 or something, I was like, I don't want anybody there. Mm-hmm. Like, I begrudgingly hired a midwife. Mm-hmm. And by that end, maybe like week 36, actually, I was like, I had been doing a, a mantra study course with one of my teachers we were learning this month I called the 64 yoginis mm. in the process I was like I need 64 doulas <laughs> all the women I felt like this deep like collective yeah. feminine grief like why won't uh. all the women in my village be here why won't all the men be here building a fire in the backyard why won't yeah. like the whole village be circling my house and singing songs like it makes me want to cry now yeah I needed I needed a village mm-hmm. I had a I flew a friend to Tucson to be with me for the week leading up to my birth um and you know <sighs> I, I reached out after I fired my, my midwife, I reached out to our teacher, Rochelle, mm-hmm. and we had this conversation like this is one of the most significant, most profound mm. experiences of my life, of my child's life. It will set in motion so much. Like, why not borrow money and ask for this and get levels of help and get a new midwife if that's what you have to do to feel Mm -hmm. safe and protected in your your experience yeah so um I ended up calling a friend here in Tucson and asking her if she would be here I you know didn't know what I was going to do with my placenta I thought we would bury it but then I knew that I needed I needed to consume it Mm -hmm. so like last minute I called my friend and I was like can you come pick up my placenta (laughs) and all these all these things all the ways the medicine showed up I mean quite significant for me was I cannot do this alone yeah at all I actually need a ton of help Mm-hmm. And it was amazing to have my room full of women oh, and then my partner that. there and so much help for him too. And yeah. he, um, he was exquisite. Oh. He was either, you know, he was holding me the entire time physically and emotionally. He was always, every time I looked at his face, he was calm. He was smiling. He told me I could do it. And only afterwards did I find out he was like so scared. Scared out of his mind. That makes sense. Oh my gosh. That's so wonderful. I I was like squeezing him, pinching him, biting him. Like he was truly 
the rock the you know I sometimes imagine like ancient tribal women just like hanging on a tree giving birth he was my tree (laughs) Mm, I love that it was wonderful Oh, I'm so glad you got to have the experience you wanted and you got to construct it and knew what you wanted and you weren't bossed around because I feel like I've seen pregnant women get bossed around and kind of manipulated a little bit, like gently massaged, like, oh, just get this task, get this thing, do this thing. And it's like, no, you, that's not mandatory. That's not necessary. Like, well, and at the very least, like, how does this feel to you? Yeah. I mean, I have a, a client right now who she shared with her care provider, I'm declining the gestational diabetes test, and her doctor rolled her eyes at her. Whoa. And my client is a nurse and checks her blood sugar daily. Wow. And there was no question of like, how have you been feeling? Is there anything showing up that you're concerned about? It was just like, what do you know? Like, that's my interpretation. Wow. That when she said she rolled her eyes at me and kind of scoffed, I was like, what? And then did you get a new doctor? (laughs) Well, that is what makes me go into like Hulk smash raid this, you know, you know, taking on authority over a woman's body. That's not your role. That's not actually what you have been empowered to do. Yeah. It makes me furious. Um, And, and, you know, to maybe segue a little early to it, but this thing that you and I chatted a bit about, about fear of our bodies. Oh, yes. You know, ways that it shows up, maybe not particularly, I know that most women I know, our education about our bodies is at best limited mm-hmm. and at worst full of doom and gloom. Yeah. The problem of being female, like the problem of the female body that is messy and smelly and bleeds and this and that, and we're like a hazard area. Right. Like hazmat. And that extends into pregnancy and informs drastically the outcomes in that arena of our life, our lifespan. And, you know, then with postpartum, it's like all of these things culturally over generations just swept under the rug or kept hidden, silent, shameful, secret, when most of it shouldn't be an issue. Right. At all. It's it's the secrecy and it's the avoidance and it's the dismissal that is creating the problems that we now, even in the medical world, kind of take for granted as just like, well, that's just part of it. It's just part of having your problematic female body. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, makes- I'm like, I'm quite certain. <laughs> I just I I love having the body that I have and I I don't know I just that's that's my mission in this life yes oh I love that because it is so fun to have a body and to be a woman and to experience the things that we experience and it is it's so absurd to me to yeah be treated as 
I don't know, something that's a problem. Some of the best writing I've ever read about it for my Ani DeFranco fans out there. Oh, yeah. Her memoir. Oh, I never. But her memoir, there are two big chunks of that book where she writes about female and menstruation and abortion. And it's like some of the best shit I've ever read. I believe it. Okay, I will definitely check that out. Yeah. I was thinking on your website, which is so gorgeous, by the way, I was like, I want Stacy to have like a recommended reading list because I feel like you just, yeah. all your podcast, like you're always mentioning authors and books and things that just sound so good. I'm like, oh my gosh, just, yes, I want like a list. I'll create that, <laughs> I'll create that for you. I've got, I've got just piles and piles of books all over yeah. me. It's one of my greatest pleasures. Yeah. Same here. What are you reading right now? Anything top of mind for you? I just finished a beautiful novel called A Place for Us. Ooh. The author's name is Fatima Mirzi, I believe. Um, I know Fatima is her first name. It's her first novel, which is insane to me. It's so, so beautiful. Um, I just finished before that Ani DeFranco's memoir. I am also reading The Water Dancer by ta Coates, which is another mm-hmm. novel. I'm always dipping into um, some of my favorite books for the work that I do. This one is called The Human Ground. Ooh. It's called The Human Ground, Sexuality, Self, and Survival. Oh, my gosh. <clears throat> it's beautiful. And then yes. another favorite is Sacred Pleasure by Rianne Eisler. Um, it's it's dense. She's an acad- she's got like five degrees. She's a historian, she's got a law degree, she's a linguist, she's phenomenal. Oh, um, sounds incredible. And this book is an extension of sorts of her first book called The Chalice and the Blade, which was the shift in civilization from goddess worshiping cultures to what she refers to as dominance culture. Mm -hmm. And Sacred Pleasure is about how dominance culture systematically eradicated pleasure from part of what's important about living and and as a consequence of that, the female body, Mm. degradation of the female body. Yeah, which is basically all about fear. I mean, I feel like that has come about by instilling fear about the body. Right. And, you know, in this crazy time of the world we're living in, it's amazing to me how, you know, humans are demonstrating their complete misunderstanding of the body that they have, like how it actually functions. And I'm not saying like, we can all be running in the streets and frolicking, <laughs> but I am saying like, there's this unbelievable, overwhelming fear that to me really comes from the fact that we don't really tend to our bodies very well generally mm-hmm. and don't have a strong sense of whether or not we are well 
to begin with and don't have a lot of confidence in our innate ability to overcome things. Yeah. And also this tremendous fear of death, like crippling fear of death. Mm, Yeah, that is a huge part of it. I see also, I don't know, I keep thinking of like just people's ungroundedness. Like there's this fear that's coming up and I just sense like everyone's root chakra just kind of like, freaking out like there's like a fear of survival like everyone's like hoarding toilet paper (laughs) ice cream I'm like oh my gosh just calm down people like well um so Kimberly Johnson who I mentioned earlier and in and Rochelle talks about this too in her training about the social nervous system our first our first measure of safety is actually like socially like we look Mm. to our parents faces and Mm -hmm. infants that's our measure of safety right so that's how we're oriented to look around us am i safe Mm -hmm. and when there's this collective kind of panic um exactly what you said there's obvious ungroundedness that runs rampant and it is always important but especially now for us to draw in to ourselves I mean this distancing is kind of a blessing because it's you know what I taught that class for yesterday yes which was so beautiful do you know how to reground when you Mm -hmm. find yourself ungrounded Mm -hmm. so that you can walk into a space or be in your space with your family a well-regulated person who helps to regulate the nervous systems around you. Mm -hmm. And it's not about putting on a brave face. It's quite the opposite of that. Like to be able to sit with your child or your partner and say, I'm scared. Mm -hmm. There's this feeling of uh, unsteadiness and my guts are tingly and I feel hot in my face and I just, it would be so nice to be held right now, or I think I'm going to go for a walk. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is so stabilizing. Yeah. And just the person saying, everything's fine. We're going to be fine. Like, (laughs) like, you know, yeah, there's something so amazing about just hearing the truth. Like I've been babysitting. Yeah, <laughs> like knowing what somebody's actually experiencing like I was just really honest with my nephew I was like I don't quite know how to entertain you right now can we just meditate and so I put on this mountain meditation and he was so cute like he's usually kind of off the walls and so full of energy and I just was like I'm just gonna sit here you don't have to meditate with me but I'm just gonna put on this meditation and if you want to sit down with me you can and he got so into it and was so relaxed and adorable and I was like that is expert level and we just it set the tone for the whole day and it was just like we were in flow and I was just like what do you want to do and it was like a dialogue of like okay you can't just play video games and watch tv all day like we have to learn things and be active and go outside and read and do things that your mom will consider educational, but, um, (laughs) but I also want you to be happy. So like, what do you want to do? And he's like, well, I really want to go to the park. 
and I really want to play Clue. And I'm like, okay, we can make that happen. <laughs> but, but there is something about just being able, I was like, I'm just going to tell him how I'm feeling. Like, I'm kind of overwhelmed. Uh-huh. I don't know what to do with you. Like, I never really spend this much time with kids and it's kind of intense and overwhelming. And he was like, he just heard it and he just sat with me and I was like, Oh, this is so nice to just say how I'm feeling. And he can tell me how he's feeling. It's really refreshing. So amazing about that. And what I, what I hear as like a super crucial thing that you did you took responsibility for how you were feeling and you didn't make it his fault. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, it wasn't, I was like, it's not your fault. I just have no idea. Just in general, like as humans, there's just this, um, I don't think it's actually delivered all that often, but just our tendency to be like, you're just making me so crazy. Mm. You're yeah. being so weird right now. Or like, you're making me feel this way. No. Yeah, no I'm one makes you feel. I'm bugging out right now. I don't, I mean, I love that. Like, I don't really know what to do with you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to yeah. put on this conversation. I'm taking that. Thank you. I'm writing yeah. that book. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and I'll, I'll send you the meditation too, because it's really good. It's on Intuit and it's the mountain meditation. And it's, the guy has like a really cool accent and it's just like very grounding. And my nephew was just like super into it. It was cute. I was like, I'm going to listen to this one every day. It's so good. It <laughs> can be a new little ritual for you too. Yeah. Yeah. I want to be a mountain. That sounds, sounds nice. I'm curious um, ways that you kind of keep yourself grounded and happy and healthy as you're supporting other people. Cause I saw on your website too, that you've been, you've attended over 40 births, which is amazing. And I want to hear about some of those too, but I feel like self-care is just so fascinating and I'm kind of obsessed with it. So how do you take care of yourself? Um, the best thing I ever did for myself was let my self-care go a little off the rails in that it didn't have to look like anything in particular. Mm, <laughs> um, yeah. and, you know, this is actually a little bit antithetical to Ayurveda, which is very much like the daily rhythm, the daily routine is the medicine. It is the guarantee for well-being and Elements of that I think are true, but what I have discovered for myself is that allowing myself to be unpredictable mm-hmm. and my needs to ebb and flow um, has been like the most loving thing I could ever do for myself. Definitely moving my body. Uh, is a big thing connecting to my body in some way. Sometimes that's a bath. Sometimes that's a really intense workout. Sometimes it's a really Mm. simple yoga practice. Most of the time it's going for a walk outside. Mm -hmm. Um, I love going for a walk with my husband. Mm. Another another thing that I learned from Kimberly, I've studied, learned a lot from her, studied her Mm. pretty hard. (laughs) Um, But this, 
approach to having difficult conversations and staying regulated and staying in our own experience can be really helpful to like go for a walk or talk in the car when you're not looking right at each other. Oh yeah. So I can feel his support, but I don't, you know, it, there's no room for me to interpret being judged or anything like that, which is, you know, never happening, but it's just my experience sometimes. So I love walking with him. Um, having a good meal and honestly sometimes just like laying on the couch and watching the full season of cheer <laughs> I love that I love movies and I love television yeah I, I know when I've had enough it's like food right like too much of a good thing is never a good thing mm-hmm. but um, yeah I, I have very very vivid lovely memories of my childhood like summertime my mom was a teacher she and I would be home all day together my dad would be at work and so it was like our special thing to sit on her bed and watch movies oh so sweet I I also really love just having an altar Mm -hmm. and I sit at it often but there's something about like having it and tending to it mm-hmm. for most of my life that has been like my garden what does that look like what does that uh practice ritual look like um well keeping it clean you know first of all like the first construction of an altar I always like really love because it's sort of like pull out all the shit all the sacred things all the stones all the things and just almost like making a collage, like fit together now. Yeah. Or, you know, it can also be like, here's the centerpiece. Now what Mm -hmm. comes in to support it? If you have a particular intention, a new moon, a full moon, maybe there's, you know, a a marker such as that. Mm -hmm. And then every now and then it's just sort of like, yeah, this isn't, this altar isn't holding the space I need it to anymore. So we mm. deconstruct and reconstruct. And mm. I love that ritual. Mm. That makes me think about your, um, your YouTube video about Kali and like that idea of like destruction and construction mm. and just like letting things kind of fall apart and letting them rebuild, but kind of revisiting that spirit and bringing intention to that space that. Yeah you will nourish kind of the goddess within you and, and around you as well. And I love, I've, I've been working with specifically like the Vedic tantric deities for a long time. So Mm. I have the most familiarity and practice there, but there is this sense of, for me, like the best thing that I got from that study and I'm still in it, but experiencing like really understanding the goddesses through this lens of like a kaleidoscope, like they are all always present, Mm. but different faces come forward. Mm -hmm. And that it, you know, I am a living, breathing expression of this multiplicity. Yeah. There is a time for um, 
an emphasis on sensuality and sense pleasure. There is a time for an emphasis on boundaries. There is a time for emphasizing, you know, trimming the fat, cutting things away, being very almost frighteningly direct. Mm-hmm. And I've worked with Cully as a personal um, guide of sorts for a long time. And, you know, part of this, like, I don't need, I don't need to expect so much of myself in the sense that there's no way I could possibly be at this level all the time forever. Right. Bringing myself to this completely ridiculous, absurd standard is part of my self-sabotage. So what mm-hmm. is true self-care? Well, throw out the, the list of exactly what I'm meant to do every single day at what time, like that's not actually very loving for me. And sometimes that is exactly what I need to do because I need to kind of like refocus or recalibrate to a little more deliberate rhythm. And then I can feel more confident moving out into those more creative modes Oh, I love that. That's so beautiful. Yeah, it makes me want to, I have a little altar at home, but I'm, yeah, I'm staying in my Mm -hmm. childhood bedroom right now, which is so surreal. And yeah, I should set up a little altar just for my next couple of days. Yes, with all the, I mean, (laughs) how amazing to construct an altar from what's available to you, what's there. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, it's so fun. I'm so curious. So you're a new mama. So you came for six months ago now? Yeah. Approximately. What's that been like? Hmm. <laughs> Pulsatory. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. Wild. Mm completely just completely wild that's the best word for it Mm -hmm. I can't believe six months have passed and I can't believe it's only been six months yeah um you know motherhood has brought me to my knees and it's made me really grateful and there are still there are still moments when I find myself distracted by um, the the feeling you know like the tether mm-hmm. I'm ever tethered to this person. And it's not in any way because I feel like he is a nuisance. It's more like, can I meet this need Mm -hmm. to be needed in the most profound way? Yeah. Yeah. It can be overwhelming, which again, just goes back to like, and that's why you're not supposed to do it alone. Mm -hmm. That's why you have to have mamas and aunties and sisters and girlfriends and people you can trust 
mm. come around and be in your space when you're not your best um, to help. Yeah, I keep thinking of the wheel of consent that you talked about in that class yesterday and how it must be tricky to balance because you're giving so much. I mean, as a mother, like you're just physically giving and emotionally get like just giving, giving, giving. And so to try to balance the other quadrants, receiving, Mm -hmm. allowing, what was the fourth one? Taking. Taking. Yeah. Taking is, that's a, really tough one I think especially for females that was something I wanted to just touch on just a little bit if you want to get into it just I do want to say before we do with regards to that um like the giving as a a new mom you know I say new mom because your kid always needs you but it's so intense like it's a very acute time um I'm his primary food source yeah you know we are co-regulating he and I in a very specific way Mm -hmm. and it is possible for me to receive from him but Mm -hmm. it takes a shift of attention yeah so having somatic practices and that foundation uh, in my body where I can switch my focus, like to just mm. be focused on, Oh my God, like he's still on me and he wants to nurse again. And like, why can't I just put you down for five minutes to smelling his skin? Yeah. Smelling the weight of his body. And even, you know, more often, cause he's pretty wiggly now. <laughs> like feel how the chair underneath you isn't going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Let yourself be held in this small way. It's actually not so small. Um, yeah. Mm, I love <laughs> that. The, the ongoing communication, you know, not always expressed with, with the utmost grace, but having that, ability to communicate to my partner like I just really need to be touched right now and I don't need it you know I'm not talking about sex I'm not talking about anything other than like will you just rub my feet will you just hold me Mm -hmm. um especially that those first two months Mm. it was like I mean, I would weep every time he would hold me. Yeah. So anyway. <laughs> wow. Why? Because it the level of giving, I mean, it's sort of like a, I don't think this is the right way to use the term. It, so I won't use it. <laughs> I won't set myself up for that. There's a pretty steep learning curve. Mm-hmm. When it comes to having a newborn, like how do you do everything? How, everything is new, right? And it's yeah. like even just figuring out, like how do I hold you? You're so tiny and floppy, and like getting that muscle memory. Where now I just feel like you know such ease with yeah. it. It's 
hard won. And there's such giving. And like I had crazy tension headaches because I was so tense holding my baby and figuring mm. out how to nurse and um just literally all of my life force was pouring out of me. I did not know how to conserve any of it. I wasn't receptive to his bed, my bed holding me in the chair and his needs were so great and so constant. Mm -hmm. And as we both recalibrated, it would just be like, you know, this kind of personal, but I'm totally okay sharing. And I think it would be helpful before giving birth, my husband and I almost always showered together. Mm -hmm. And after giving birth, I mean, I think we've showered together like twice in the last six months because that's my time to be alone with my body. Yeah, but I get it. I mean, and, and that wasn't even a spoken thing. Mm-hmm. He did that. And I like, it's so lovely. <laughs> Mm -hmm. so wonderful um you know part of this part of what I believe is the way that we relate to our our genitals (laughs) on a physical level and a subtle level like what they express Mm -hmm. Of course, there's a reproductive component, but there's also like the only points on the human body that are explicitly for pleasure. Mm -hmm. So if we don't have an ongoing dialogue with our genitals, if we don't have a relationship that we are at least cultivating, it is damn near impossible to accurately express what we want Mm, yeah communicate that and it's a tissue structure physical reality right the correlation between vocal tissue vaginal Mm -hmm. tissue I love that article on your blog by the way I was like that's so good (laughs) structures of our our jaw our skull our pelvis Pam Samuelson is an amazing teacher that I studied Mm. with and learned a lot about this from her. Um, But I, I'm, I'm a bit more connected to the energetic component of it. Like Mm -hmm. to be cut off in any way or judgmental of, or domineering with our pleasure center and our root chakra, like the center of our, essential needs for being in a body Mm -hmm. we're not going to be communicating effectively which includes boundaries and desires and what does it take to not only maintain a feeling of safety but to generate energy and excitement yeah so you know back to the the specifics of the wheel of consent there is it's taught as part of this somatic education because there is a visceral response when we want something as Mm -hmm. well as when we don't want something Mm -hmm. and in order for something to be consensual both people have to be vibing with that same frequency of yes or no yeah 
it can, I think that that actually makes it, when you're more accustomed to communicating that way with a partner, Mm -hmm. you don't feel like you're taking. Right. You know, that word is a little bit, just the connotation, I think the automatic connotation feels like, ooh, Mm -hmm. can I take in a consensual way? Of Mm -hmm. course. There, there might be a better word, but for now, you know, I, I think that it does really rely on a foundation of what does yes feel like in my body? What does no feel like in my body? And making room, part of the, the structure of this training, my favorite bit, yes, no, maybe, and I changed my mind. Mm-hmm. And being able to ebb and flow with those, like, mm-hmm. this is what we should have been learning in sex education. Yeah. Starting at, like, nine years old. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's unfortunate the way that we teach people about their bodies in this culture. Mm-hmm. Or we don't teach, teach really. For, well, we teach people to forget about their bodies. Yeah. It's you like know, disassociate. The that's offered is one thing, but the information that's not offered is also part of the education. Mm-hmm. Absolutely true. Amazing. Okay. Well, oh my gosh, I just, I love hearing all of your stories and all of your wisdom. And I also want to, honor your time. So I want to check in and see, are there last things coming to the surface that you want to be sure to talk about? Is there, um, I feel like there's still so much more to be said, but I also don't want to keep you up really late when you have a baby newborn. (laughs) Well, I, let's see. I, I almost only feel called to say that I am in such awe of the human female body mm. and the depth of capacity for feeling and expression and love and regenerative energy for healing, essentially. And whoever is listening to everyone who is listening, I just would love to connect collectively like resting hands on the body that you have and offering a prayer of thanks and reverence thank you for that reminder i feel like it's so so important to remember that we're sacred beings. Mm. 
Every part of you that is here is here on purpose. Mm. There's a there's a purpose. It doesn't mean it has to stay forever, but there's an intelligence operating at the deepest level. Mm. Mm, so uh, I'm really happy to be in connection again and to have spent this time with you. Yes. Oh my gosh. I'm just so delighted and honored that you made so much time to chat with me today. And um, I'd love for you to share a little bit of how people can connect with you um, and how they can work with you. I do. Um, so I was planning on, on launching a group program this spring and for lots of obvious reasons, I am just, sitting on that for now, mm -hmm. um, but I have ongoing virtual yoga classes that I'm doing twice a week and oh, cool. social media. Uh, you can find the link to that. It's also on my website under the booking page, like mm -hmm. uh, to book a consult. I'm doing pay what you can sessions for the month of April. And my website is my name, stacyramsour.com. I'm on social media. Um, I, I am on Facebook, but I'm never on Facebook. So yes, on Instagram, it's mm -hmm. sacred body underscore Stacy Ramsauer. And uh, I like to do a free class like once a month. Oh, cool. There's something in my eyes. So I'm sorry. I'm oh, no worries. I keep and I'll have all those links in the show notes as well. Perfect. So. Yeah, I mean, what I'm doing right now is I'm doing two yoga classes a week that people can drop in to. Oh, I love and, that. Um, just one-on-one -on -one sessions and like a free monthly webinar. Oh my gosh, that's so brilliant. Oh, I, okay, I, I don't know that we have time, but I loved your class. I was curious how you structure, mm -hmm. like how do you do your course outline or plan what you're going to talk about? <laughs> Um, it was so rich like and beautiful in my journal for about a week. And then I <laughs> say a Hail Mary and teach and go for it. it for a long time. <laughs> and for um, most of that time, I was like really, really, really not rigid. I mean, I just really planned everything. And yeah. so I feel like I've earned the confidence. Like I understand how a class, should go mm -hmm. and I'm confident enough to like not have to follow an outline um, yeah sometimes I still will like write it out but I rarely look at it and I usually go pretty far off book <laughs> yeah oh well it was beautiful I was like oh my gosh I don't want to miss this ever it's so good thank you and I yeah. that's up on YouTube and it's available for people oh awesome yeah oh, that's one is that on your YouTube channel Yes. Okay, cool. Oh my gosh. Well, Stacy, thank you so much for making time and congratulations a million times over. And it was such an honor to hear your birth story and just to hear about everything you're up to recently. It's really beautiful. Thank you so much. It's yeah. my pleasure. My pleasure as well. Oh, yeah, you're such an inspiration.
Thank you, Sarah. Yeah, you're welcome. Well, thank you for making time and I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Thank you so much for listening to Time in the Studio. If you enjoyed this show, please remember to follow, rate, review, and share it with a friend. And if you'd like to connect with Stacy, please do so at sacredbody underscore Stacey Ramsauer on Instagram. You can connect with me at Time in the Studio podcast if you would like to be considered for a Time in the Studio as a Time in the Studio star for next week's show. Just Uh, send me three images or just a link to your Instagram of things that you're creative things that you're up to could be involving plants or food or really anything I hope you are well and take care of yourself again my heart goes out to anyone suffering through this time and may we make the best of this time love and light to you all blessings